Okay, let's take our Bibles this morning and turn to the book of Jude. <clears throat> book of Jude, and we're going to just read from verse 20. Book of Jude, begin reading from verse 20. It says, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some have compassion, making a difference. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Let's open this morning with a word of prayer. Dear Lord and Holy Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time that we can come as a body of believers to worship you, sing praise to your name, Lord, to come now around your word. And Lord, I pray that this morning that you give me wisdom and guidance as I speak. That Lord, it be your words and your thoughts. And that Lord, you give us understanding of this passage. You teach us and instruct us through it, Lord. I pray, Lord, that we leave this place knowing that we've been in your presence, Lord. Just undertake now, Lord, please, empower me through the Spirit. And may you be guided, uh, may you guide and may you bless, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, last Sunday morning, we looked at verse 20 and 21, and we, we saw that Jude instructs us to be building the Christian life. Okay, if we're going to stand against these apostates, which is his main focus in this epistle, then we need to be built upon our Christian life, building our Christian life, built upon our most holy faith, as he says there. Constantly in spirit-led prayer, walking in obedience to God and focusing on eternity. You know, not only are we to endeavor to build ourselves up spiritually, we are also to be concerned about others as well. You see, it's not as if we are to just concentrate on our own Christian life, our own spiritual growth, and ignore our fellow believers, ignore those around us. That somehow we only focus on us. So to make sure we don't think that, Jude now gives us some instruction in verse 22 and 23 as to how we are to deal with or to approach brothers and sisters who are influenced by the apostates, people who have been influenced by these false teachers. You see, there will be brothers and sisters in Christ who will be led astray. There will be um, brothers and sisters who are confused and, and led astray by false doctrine from these apostates. And so we need to know how we go about dealing with these brethren how do we approach them seeking to restore them how do we approach them seeking to bring them back to the truth and so in these verses jude gives us some instruction concerning these matters and he tells us that there's two groups of people there's two different types of people and so there's two different types of methods uh, two ways that we are to deal with these people in verse 22 we're told and of some have compassion and then in verse 23, it says, and, of other, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. And so we have two distinct groups and two distinct methods of dealing with them. In the end of verse 22, it says, uh, and of some have compassion, making a difference. And the word difference there means distinction, making a distinction. And so Jude tells us that we need to make a distinction. We need to make a, a determination as to which method we should use in approaching these ones who are struggling. 
And so we need spiritual discernment if we're going to determine what kind of person they are and approach them in the right manner, in the right way. And you see, this is where our own spiritual growth comes in. Because if you and I are not built up ourselves on our most holy faith, if we're not strong spiritually ourselves, can't hope to help someone else. Can't hope to go and approach them and help them. All we're going to do is make matters worse. And so that's why that's first. We have to make sure we ourselves are strong spiritually. We ourselves are built up in the Christian faith. So that then we might be able to help others when we see them struggling. And we might be able to make spiritual discernment as to what way we approach them, deal with them. So this morning we're going to consider these two types of people and consider how it is that we are to react to these groups. I must say before we start this morning, this is probably one of the most difficult sermons prepared in a while. It's not an easy passage. Made even more harder by the fact that a lot of new versions actually have three groups in this passage. And so most of the commentators go that way and so I lost about 80% of the commentators before I started. And so... You know, I'm, I'm doing my best this morning and I pray it's a blessing. I pray that we get some understanding from it. I just want you to be aware that I did struggle with this passage this morning, this, this week. And so I pray the Lord will bless as we look at it. And as we look at it, I thought the best way we could look at it is by also looking at the example of our Saviour and how He dealt with people. Because He is ultimately our best example to follow. He is the example to follow. So let's look at the first group here. The first group this morning we see is that we ought to have compassion on some verse 22 it says and of some have compassion making a difference Jude begins by telling us that there are some who are influenced by these apostates some who you know are led astray who need us to react towards them with compassion you see this first group of people are ones who are wavering or they're unstable in their faith okay these ones are you know immature Christians, young believers, or matures who are not themselves stable in their own faith, and so they're easily led. They're easily led astray. Just turn over Second Peter chapter two. Second Peter two and verse fourteen. Peter talks about these unstable souls. Second Peter two verse fourteen says, "Having eyes full of adultery, and that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls." And heart they have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children. In the middle there it says beguiling unstable souls. And that's talking about apostates here as well. Okay, and it says that these apostates target unstable souls. They seek out those who are weak in the faith. These are the ones they prey on. These are the ones they're going to target first of all because they're the easy ones. They're the easy targets to, to get to believe their their false doctrine because these ones are not stable in the faith. They're unstable souls. And let me be clear, we're talking about saved people here, okay? This passage is talking about saved believers, at least I believe it's talking about saved believers. It's saved believers who are being led astray. And so these are saved, immature Christians who are led astray, easily led astray. They're, they're led astray because of their own ignorance, okay? They're, they're young, they're ignorant, they're unstable. And so they're easily led and often they don't even realize what's taking place. They don't even realize that they've got now a false doctrine. They don't even realize that they've been led into sin, into doing the wrong thing. So we need to understand that these are not people who are actively seeking to lead others astray. 
Okay? These are not ones who are willfully following a false doctrine and flaunting that false doctrine before others and living in their sin. Okay? They're not willfully doing this. These are unstable souls. These are ones who are, you know, they're wavering and easily led. They've made a silly mistake. They've been led astray. These ones, Jude tells us, we are to deal with in compassion. And the word compassion here means mercy. And so we are to have a merciful response towards these ones. Deal with them in a merciful manner, showing them compassion and love. The idea is that we are to treat these ones with tenderness, in the spirit of meekness. Turn over to Galatians chapter 6, because Paul speaks about this same idea. Galatians chapter 6. Galatians 6 and verse 1 says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. It says there, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, that we are to restore them in the spirit of meekness. In other words, we are to seek to restore them with a kind, forbearing and forgiving spirit. Understanding, being patient with them. Point is, we're not to be overly harsh with this first group. Not to be overly harsh with them and berate them and bash them because of what they've done or because of the mistake they've made. We are to be merciful and compassionate. You see, the word overtaken here in Galatians 6 verse 1, this word overtaken speaks of being surprised or seized upon without warning. The idea is exactly the same as what Jews talk about. These are ones who are surprised. They've been overtaken in a fault without warning. Okay, They haven't been living this way. They're not willfully doing this. They've been going along and they've been led astray. They've made a silly mistake through ignorance because they're unstable souls. They've been overtaken in a fault. And Paul says that we are to, as Jude says, deal with them in compassion, restore them in the spirit of meekness. You know, the ones may not even be aware that they've done the wrong thing. They may not even be aware that they're in sin. They may not even be aware that they've been led astray by false doctrine. And so we have to have a merciful, compassionate response in dealing with them. I said earlier, you know, lovingly pointing out their faults, but doing it in a loving manner. Now, it's not as if, okay, we need to understand, we're not talking about here when it says deep compassion, that we love them and so we don't say anything. Oh, I love them. I'm dealing with them compassionately, so I'm not going to say anything about their sin. That's not what it's saying. It's saying that when we approach it, we are to do it in a merciful, compassionate manner. Being patient with them. Seeking to point out their fault, but lovingly, graciously, and mercifully. Patient in their dealing with them. See, these kinds of people don't need us berating them. They don't need us bashing them or being overly harsh with them because all that's going to do is push this kind of person away. It's going to push them further away from the Lord, further away from church, and we may lose them completely because we've dealt with them in the wrong manner. Rather, we need to take time to patiently show them from God's word the truth. We need to speak the truth in love. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, 15, it says, But speaking the truth in love may grow up in the, up into him all things which is the head and in Christ. Speak the truth in love. 
needs to be our response to how we're to deal with them. We are to approach graciously, pointing out their fault, pointing out the mistake they made, pointing out the fact that we let astray, but do it speaking the truth in love. And as I thought about this week, I thought, you know, we have an example of the Lord here to follow. When it comes to this matter of showing compassion, you see, our Lord right throughout his ministry dealt with those who were ignorant of spiritual truth in a compassionate way. Let's just look at a few examples. Turn to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5 and begin reading from verse 27. It says, And after these things he went forth and saw a publican named Levi, sitting at the receipt of custom. And he said unto him, Follow me. And he left all, rose up, and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his own house. And there was a great company of publicans and of others that sat down with them. But the scribes and Pharisees murmured against his disciples, saying, Why do ye eat and drink with publicans and sinners? And Jesus answered and said unto them, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now here we see Christ acting with compassion towards the publicans and sinners. You know, these ones who were ignorant of the truth, okay, they were spiritually ignorant. And Christ sits down with them, he has a meal with them, and he speaks to them in love. Compassion, seeking to bring them to the truth. Now I know that what we're talking about here in Luke 5 is unsaved people, and in Jude it's talking about saved people. But the principle is the same, our approach is the same. Our approach to the unsaved is to be compassionate and loving. And our approach to these struggling brothers and sisters in Christ is to be the same, compassionate and loving, patient with them. Seeking to follow the example of Christ, that we are willing to be patiently talking with them, seeking to lead them back to the truth, in love, working with them. You know, chapter 4 is another great example. We're not going to read this one, but John chapter 4, we have the story of the, the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. You know, Christ meets this woman at the well and this Samaritan woman is ignorant of the truth. She's confused spiritually. She's confused religiously because she's a Samaritan from a mixed race. You know, so they have a mixed religion. They have some of the truth mixed with false doctrine. And so she is mixed up. She doesn't know the truth. She's spiritually ignorant. But how does Christ respond to her? He responds to her with love. He responds to her with compassion seeking to bring her from her error to the truth. You see, he he understood her position. He understood her sin. Remember, he knew everything about her background. He knew all the the men she'd been with. He knew everything about her. But he responded in love, seeking to bring her to the truth. Again, we have an example of how we are to deal with these ones, these ones who are spiritual. We are to seek to lead them back to the truth in love, with compassion, being patient with them, understanding. Matthew chapter 8, one final example, Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8, verse 23. It says, And when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he saith unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, 
that even the winds and the sea obey him. You know, in this example, we have Christ and his disciples in the boat, in the ship, upon the Sea of Galilee, and they're caught in the storm. And, you know, the disciples here are the ones who fail. The disciples here are the ones who show a complete lack of faith, a lack of faith in Christ, a lack of faith in, in his power. You know, their lack of faith is sin. And how does Christ respond to them? Christ doesn't berate them. Christ doesn't harshly rebuke them. Christ lovingly rebukes them. He points out their fault, yes. He says, oh, ye of little faith. But he rebukes them in love. And then the Lord calms the storm. He rescues them. He saves them from the situation they're in. You see, in all of these cases, we see that our Lord reacted with compassion to those who were spiritually ignorant. You know, the unsaved ones, the woman at the well, and indeed the disciples. With all of them, Christ responded with compassion, merciful words, patiently talking to them seeking to bring them to the truth. And this is how we are to treat this first group of struggling brethren, struggling brothers and sisters in Christ. These who have been overtaken in a fault, overtaken in the sin, or they're unstable, so they're confused doctrinally, they're led astray easily. These ones you and I are to seek to restore in love. We are to go alongside them with compassion, show them mercy, and seek to bring them back to the truth. Notice that we still are to point out their sin. Okay, that's where a lot of mistakes are made. We go to show the compassion, but we think, oh, we'll show compassion without saying about their sin. That's not what it's saying here. We are still to point out their sin. We are still to point out their faults, but we are to do it lovingly, patiently, with compassion and mercy to bring them back to the truth. That leads us to the second group. The second group here in verse 23, we see, that we are to save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. Look in verse 23. It says, And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. You know, Jude goes on to tell us now about a second group, a second type of people, a second type of brother or sister in Christ who is struggling. And, you know, with these ones, Jude tells us that we need to save them with fear, pulling them out of the fire. You see, with this second group, Jude tells us that more drastic, more direct methods are necessary. More swift and immediate action is needed. You see, the idea is that these ones need to be immediately snatched from the danger. Immediate and swift effort must be made on them and deliver them before it's too late. He starts out here by saying, Others save with fear. Now the idea of this seems to be that appeals are to be made to them that produce fear. It puts the fear of God into them. Okay, it puts them in fear of who God is. It puts them in fear of God's holiness. This seems to indicate that appeals to these people are to be such that point out the immediate danger they are in. Points out bluntly and swiftly and quickly, you're in sin. It's wrong. You're doing the wrong thing. You know, the idea is to jolt them awake. Jolt them into seeing the danger that they are in. You see, this second group is in the fire. They're in the fire. And they need to be pulled out of the fire. The word pulling here speaks of snatching by force. It's the picture of, you know, you see a burning building and there's someone inside you rush in and you snatch them and pull them out. 
you grab them and you take them by force, bringing them out of the burning building. That's the picture here. You know, we don't sit down and have a discussion and talk to them calmly and just watch as it happens. These ones we need to rush in. These ones, there's swift action required. As I said, this is not the time to be patiently dealing with them as we do with the first group. This group's different. Patiently dealing with them, you know, patiently, mercifully, compassionately talking to them over a period of time is not going to help them. These ones are in the fire and swift, immediate action is necessary. See, Jude tells us that we need to pull out of the fire. The fire here implies that it's already ablaze. In other words, these ones have been more than just overtaken in a fault. It's more than just that they're immature, you know, ignorant believers and they've been led astray. These ones have been completely led astray. These ones now have become ensnared in the false doctrine of the apostates. These ones have become ensnared in their lies, ensnared in sin themselves, and they are now in danger of the judgment of God upon them. They are in grave danger spiritually themselves, as well as now becoming a danger unto others. And that's the point we need to understand. They're a danger not just to themselves, they are now a danger unto others within the church. They've become a real problem. And so immediate and swift action is required, action that puts them in the fear of God and of His holiness. Their sin and their error must be pointedly and immediately addressed. See, as I said earlier, the point is that this second group is more than just overtaken in a fault. This second group is more than just spiritually immature and unstable. These ones are full of pride, full of arrogance, and now they've begun to flaunt their sin. They're flaunting their sin, which has come from their false doctrine. Remember what Jude talks about? He talks about these apostates who taught that the grace of God is lascivious, as an excuse to sin. And so these ones have been led astray by false doctrine, and they're now in sin, and they're flaunting their sin. They're willingly in this. They're loving it, and they're flaunting it before others. You know, they failed to listen to compassionate words. That, the time for that was earlier. They failed to listen to compassionate words. They failed to listen to the first approach earlier on, and they've traveled down that path so far that now they, they themselves are indeed false teacher. They've got to the place now where they are an influence on others. And so you and I need to act swiftly. You need to act swiftly before they damage other believers. You know, they're not hiding their sin. They're not ashamed of their sin. They're wearing it proudly and willingly, flaunting it before others. And these ones, God's word says, you and I must deal with swiftly. You must snatch them out of the fire before they harm others and indeed themselves are harmed. You know, I think once again we can look to an example of the Lord Jesus Christ when it comes to this matter of dealing with these people. Now we saw here how Christ dealt with the spiritually ignorant with compassion. Time and time again, he had compassion on them. He spoke with kind, loving words, patiently seeking to bring them to the truth. You know, when it comes to those who were spreading false doctrine, those who were flaunting their sin before others and were a problem to others, Christ's words 
were much less compassionate. Christ's words were much more forceful. They were much more pointed and directed towards these ones. Just, just turn to Matthew 23. Matthew 23, let's just read, beginning in verse 13. It says, But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for you neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are in, uh, entering to go in. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayer. Therefore ye shall receive the greater damnation. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you can pass sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he is made, you make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. Woe unto you, ye blind guides, which say, Whosoever shall swear by the temple, it is nothing. But whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he is a debtor. And drop down to verse 23. It says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you pay tithe of mint and anise. And you have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These you ought to have done, and not to leave the other undone. You blind guys which strain at, at a nate uh, and swallow a camel. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and the platter, that the outside of it may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within, in, uh, within full of dead men's bones and of uncleanness. Now we can keep going on. You know, this passage is so clear. It stands out in our minds as Christ pronounces woe on the scribes and the Pharisees. He calls them hypocrites. He calls them out before everyone. Yeah, this is in complete contrast, isn't it? Complete contrast to the way Christ reacted earlier on to the publicans and sinners. Complete contrast to the way Christ reacted to the Samaritan woman, even to his disciples. There Christ spoke with compassionate, patient words, but here Christ's words to the scribe Pharisees are harsh and abrupt. Why? Because the scribes were more than overtaken in a fault. The Pharisees were more than just overtaken in a fault. The scribes and the Pharisees were more than just ignorant. They were ensnared in sin. They were ensnared in false doctrine. And they were now by their actions a danger unto others. They were a danger unto the rest of the Jews around about. They were leading others astray. And so Christ calls them out in front of everyone. He's warning everyone about these men and warning them as well about their sin. You know, John 8, we have another Example, John chapter 8. Just turn there quickly. John 8. <clears throat> Verse 44 is the one I want to read. He's talking to the Pharisees again. He says, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. You know, once again, Christ here is not compassionate, merciful in his words to the Pharisees. He calls them the children of the devil. He's abrupt. He's blunt with them. 
He says you're doing the work of the devil. You're not doing the work of God. You're doing the work of the devil. You're a false teacher. You're in false doctrine. You're in sin. Christ here rebukes them once again sharply, both times. And there's other occasions that we could look at where Christ rebukes them sharply. See, in a sense, the Pharisees were in the fire. You know, the time for compassionate, patient words had passed. And so Christ now speaks to them sharply. You know, so that they might be jolted awake to their false doctrine. Jolted awake to the, the fact they're leading others astray. You know, at the same time, was as much for them as it was for the crowd as well, listening. It was so that the crowd might know that there's danger over there. Don't go near the fire. Stay away. These ones are ensnared. These ones will lead you astray. You know, this is the example we are to follow in dealing with these kinds of men. It's the example of Christ that we are to follow. We need to understand that these ones who have been snared in false doctrine, these ones who have become ensnared in sin, we need to deal with them with fear. We need to speak sharply, pointedly unto them, lest they be destroyed by their sin and they destroy others as well. They need to understand that they are in danger of the judgment of God and they're putting others at risk as well. Now, 1 John chapter 5, just turn there. First John 5 and verse 16, it says, If any man see his brother sin a sin, which is not unto death, he shall ask, and he shall give him life for them that sin not death. There is a sin unto death. For I do, I do not say that he shall pray for it. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not unto death. Well, we looked at First John a while ago. I preached on this passage. In the sin of the death, there is a physical death. There is sin, unrepentant sin, that leads to death in the life of the Christian. And you know, these ones are in danger of the judgment of God. They are in danger of the Lord taking them home early because of their sinful ways. They stray from the Lord and the chain of hand of God is going to be upon them. And you and I need to rebuke them sharply, pointedly, to bring them back to the Lord. See, beloved, with ones like these, we must take immediate, swift action to warn them before the false doctrine destroys them and indeed others. Now, we can't just sit idly by with them and think, I'm not going to say something because I don't want to offend them and watch as they lead others astray. Watch as they corrupt other believers. And we've done the wrong thing. You see, we need to respond. We need to see that and respond quickly and swiftly and deal with it before they lead others astray. And you know, the reality is that how they respond to this rebuke is between them and the Lord. It's between them and the Lord how they respond. But we can't just sit idly by and watch them flaunt their sin and their false doctrine and do nothing about it. We must act and act swiftly. You know, Jude ends verse 23 with a word of warning. For us as believers who are seeking to bring others back from error and sin. Look in verse 23. It says, And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. We read here that we are to hate even the garment spotted by the flesh. In our endeavor to help these brethren that we love, and make no mistake, we do love them. And that's why we say something. That's why we respond. Because we do love them and we do want them to come back 
to the law. We want them to come back to the truth. You know, in our endeavor to help these ones that we love, we must be careful that we ourselves do not become contaminated by their sin. So we need to make sure that we keep ourselves away from even the garment that is spotted by the flesh. That we hate sin and even the appearance of sin. And we avoid it at all costs. The statement garment spotted by the flesh here is an allusion to a garment that's worn by someone who had the plague or had some infectious disease. And that disease might then be passed on to someone else by their clothes, by their garments. Their garment was contaminated. It was infected. The garment was spotted. And so you would avoid contact with their garment at all costs. Stay away from it. And Jude likens the sins of these ones, these people, to a contaminated garment. He says, while it is true that we must make utmost effort to save them, utmost effort to bring them back to the truth, to rebuke them, to warn them, we also must keep our distance from their sin. Keep our distance from their sin, lest we are infected, contaminated by their sin and their doctrine. Beloved, we are to hate their sin. We didn't say hate them. We are to love them, but we are to hate their sin. You know, their conduct is to be regarded as contagious, and therefore in seeking to bring them back, we need to be taking every precaution that we are not contaminated ourselves, take every precaution to preserve our own purity. And the reality is that we can only do this if we ourselves are built up in our most holy faith, We are building ourselves spiritually so that we might be strong spiritually and able to stand. If we're weak spiritually, then it's no good you and I trying to help someone else. We are going to be contaminated by their garments, be contaminated by their sin. We ourselves must be built up spiritually so that we might be able to help those who are struggling in sin and with false doctrine. So in a sense, we must, as it says, focus first of all on our own condition and then help others. Focus on our own spiritual condition, making sure we are built up in the faith and then seek to help others who are struggling. And when we do this, we need to seek to use spiritual discernment to make a distinction. Make a distinction as to how we deal with these people. You know, is this someone who is a a believer who is immature spiritually, they're struggling spiritually, we'll get alongside them with compassion. Speak to them lovingly and show them their sin and seek to restore them in love. Or is this someone who has now become a problem? They're flaunting their sin. They're leading others astray. They're constantly preaching their false doctrine. Well, then you and I need to respond in the second way with fear. Abruptly and swiftly. Targeted response. You know, in both these cases, we have the example of the Lord to follow. I think that's the, the wonderful blessing about it as well. Christ is the example to follow in how to deal with these people. Whether we deal with them in love and compassion or whether we deal with them in love still, but with fear, abruptly and swiftly. Let's close this morning with a word of prayer. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, that your word does instruct us concerning things like this. Lord, indeed, there are apostates, there are false teachers around in this world. They are becoming more and more prevalent in this world today. And Lord, we pray that you would help us, Lord, 
as believers to be built up spiritually so that we might stand against false doctrine, might stand for you. But Lord, also so we might help others who are struggling. And Lord, we pray that you help us in our response to them to respond in the right way, to make a distinction. So Lord, whether we respond to them with compassion or whether we respond with fear, Lord, may you enable us to respond in the right way so we don't push people away from you, but we bring them back to you. Pray you bless now as we close and as we ponder upon these things in Jesus' name.